Well, good morning, and welcome to Bankery Christian Fellowship Church. My name is Duncan. I serve as pastor here, and it's my great privilege to welcome you to come and worship God today. If you're visiting, or if you're not, there's teas and coffees after the service today. You'd be very welcome to join in with us. There seems to be some appropriately purple-colored cupcakes out there for today, Um, so please do stay and enjoy that with us. Well, what a weekend it's been. Uh, The weather, the national celebrations, and, uh, you know, I think this Jubilee celebration has been one that has been more widely embraced than any of the previous ones in my lifetime anyway. Maybe that's just short-term memory loss or what, but I think it seems to be, doesn't it, that everyone has managed to pluck up some enthusiasm. Even the most ardent anti-monarchists have managed to find some enthusiasm to say something nice about the Queen. And you might be thinking then, why is this service in the church on Jubilee weekend not a Jubilee service? Why haven't we come here to add another part on to our weekend of celebrating 70 years of the Queen. Well, in a sense, this service is a jubilee service. And in fact, every Sunday we get together here, there's a a jubilee service takes place because we gather here to have our minds and our hearts turned towards God who is the God who has an unbroken reign and rule over everything forever. We come to worship God, and we do so because He is the one who deserves our worship. He's the only one who can truly claim to have a right to rule everything. And we want to acknowledge that in our time together. And God promises to meet with us when we come together like this, when we come to hear His Word, when we come to sing our praises to Him. And so that's what we're going to do. And I want to read to you one of those promises from the Bible that God gave to His people Israel. He said this through His prophet Isaiah. He said, "'Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord?' and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We come here to wait on the Lord, and He promises that He will strengthen us as we do so. Well, the Bible is the story of God's great commitment to save His people. And in junior church, we've been learning about how God used Moses to rescue His people from slavery in Egypt. 
how he brought them through the Red Sea. We've been thinking about how God looked after his people when they were in the desert. You know, he provided food and he provided water for them. Um, And they're traveling through the desert. He was there to guide them the whole way as they're heading towards the promised land. We thought about how God gave them the law so that they would know how to live as God's people. And even though the people complained sometimes, well, a lot of the time, well, almost all of the time, um, God stayed with them. God kept on guiding them. And today we're coming to a part of that story which should have been a day of real excitement for God's people because they finally arrive at the edge of the promised land. And God says to Moses, um, here's what he says, send men to spy out the land of Canaan which I am giving to the people of Israel. And so they appoint 12 men to go on a mission to spy out the land that God's going to give them. And Moses says, come back, give us a report on what you see and bring us the evidence of what kind of land it is. So we're going to hear how that went. And Elizabeth's going to read some of those verses to us now. Thank you. Good morning. Our reading this morning is Numbers 13, 25 to 29. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. Report on the exploration. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites, sorry, live in Negrev. The Hattites, Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So I don't know if you picked up on that. The spies come back and they give their report to the people. They've traveled the full length of the land. So they probably traveled 150 miles south to north and then back again. Did anyone manage to pick out some of the things that they observed about the land? Uh, I'm, I'm looking for people under 13, typically, to answer these questions, but if we get desperate, we'll come to you. Did anyone hear some of the things that they said about the land that they'd been in? Okay, let me help you out. Did they say it was a good land or a bad land? Yes, Samuel. Big people. Big people. Nice one. There were big people there. Anything else? Was it a good land or a bad land? Was it going to be an easy land to conquer? Yes, we've got an offer up here. What did you think? I'm looking behind you. Yes, yes. Young man in the pink t-shirt. A bad land? Mm, What did they bring back? What did they bring back? They said, here are some of the... Yes. 
fruits. Here are some of the fruits of the land. So they managed to bring back fruits to show them. Look, it's a good land, and it produces all of this wonderful fruit. But there are big people there. They also said the cities are big. They also said the cities are well protected. And that verse, which I did deliberately get Elizabeth to read, was there to tell us everywhere we look, there's people. Everywhere we looked, there were people. And that's what was reported back. And when the people hear this report, they've got a decision to make, right? What will they do next? Well, the people were divided. Because actually, not even the 12 spies could agree on what they should do next. Ten of them thought they should do one thing, and two of them thought they should do another thing. And here's my question, really. How could they disagree when they had all seen the same thing? Well, to help us, Alan's going to put up some slides for us. Tell me what you see. What do you see? An eye... An eye. Does anyone see anything else? Yes. Bubbles. Yes. A plug hole. Yes. Yeah, so water going down a plug hole. You see? So we all saw the same thing, but some people saw an eye straight away. Some people see water going down a plug hole. Hmm. Have we got another one, Alan? All right. What do you see? Yes. A parrot. Does anyone, anyone see anything else? Yes. Yep, green things around it, definitely. Anyone, you've got to give me a hand or I'm not going to see where you are. Yes. Red and blue, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. A bit louder. Wings. Okay, so that's all parroty stuff. Does anyone see anything other than a parrot? People? So what kind of shape is this person in? Could you, could you model it for me? Okay, this is actually a woman. You see she's got her hand up over her head like that? And what you think is a wing is her leg? You see it? Do you see it? Give me a nod if you see it. Okay, so we're looking at the same thing. We see a parrot, but actually, there's something else there. Have we got another one, Alan? This one's more fun. All right, what do you see? People? Yes? Elderly people? Yes? A bit louder, please. What's in the middle? Well, candlestick in the middle. Yep, so you've got a few things going on here. Probably, what does it look like? A goblet maybe in the middle? And what you first think is two old people looking at each other. It's actually a guy playing a guitar. And there's someone with a basket sitting in an archway. Yeah. Okay, one more, I think. All right, what do you see here? Yes. Zebras, any advances on, on zebras? Rats. 
Grass, yes, sorry, it's my ears. Yes, a lion. Can you see the lion in the middle there? There's zebras and there's a lion. So we're all looking at the same picture, but sometimes we're seeing different things. There is one more. Here's what the people of Israel saw, the spies saw. On the bottom there, you've got a city surrounded by walls. And on the top, this is what the Bible says they carried back. A bunch of grapes needed two men to carry it between a pole. That's how fruitful the land was, and they saw how strong the cities were. So, but even though they saw the same thing, it meant different things to them because they had two different perspectives on what they heard. And we're going to hear what those perspectives were, and Sharon's going to come and read that for us. Thank you. Quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. Thank you. So most people, when they heard the report from the spies... They saw the people in the land. They saw the strength of the cities. They saw that there were some tall warriors in the land, and they were terrified. All they could see was how much more powerful the people in the land seemed to be than they were. They seemed to be struck by the size. Did you notice that uh, verse 33 They think, well, we seemed like we were grasshoppers compared to them. That's what the ten spies said. They couldn't see beyond the obvious. All they could see was, we don't have the strength, we don't have the power, we don't have the things we need, we don't have the training, and we certainly don't have the bravery to go up and to, to move those enemies out of the land. 
And I think we can all understand that, can't we? Before you try and climb a tree, you should, you should look at it first. And you should work out in your head, are the branches strong enough to take me? Am I going to be able to reach that next branch when I get there? When I get to that height, am I going to be so scared I'm not going to be able to move? And it's only once you've thought about all of those things, then you start to climb. Because if you haven't thought through those things, boy, could you be in trouble. Well, that's exactly what the Israelites did. They looked at everything in the land, and they concluded there was no way that they could go in there. Because they were convinced if they did, they would die And they said, we will die, our wives will die, our children will die. All they could see was death. But while they have added up those things correctly, they have missed something. And that's given to us by the two spies who had a different view on things. Joshua and Caleb. They said, you know, the land that we went through, it's very good. They said, but if the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into the land and give it to us. Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear. The Lord, that's what they'd forgotten to take into account. The Lord. Can you believe it? They had got so used to calling this place they were going to the promised land, that they forgot what those words meant. The land had been promised to them by God. When God told Moses to send out the spies, he said, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. This is what they had forgotten, God's promise. And not just the promise, they had forgotten what God was like. You know, ever since the first human beings, the human race has been the target of God's enemies. These enemies of sin and death and the devil. They stand against us always. And when we look at them, when we see our sin, when we hear the accusations that the devil would make about our sin, we think, I could never overcome this. I could never get to God. I could never be right with God. All of these things just seem too bad. My sin is just too dark. My guilt is just too overwhelming. I could never be good enough or strong enough for God. And when we think like that, we're right. We're right. We cannot overcome those enemies. But here's what we've forgotten to put into our working out. We make the same mistake as the Israelites. We forget God. We forget the promises of God. The message of the Bible is that we all are sinners and there's nothing we can do ourselves to defeat the power of sin and death and the devil. They are real. They are stronger than us. But God has sent his son, Jesus. And the promise of the Bible is that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is a promise from God to us. The promise says no matter how deep your sin goes, 
no matter how bad you might feel about yourself, if you believe in Jesus Christ, the one who has lived a sinless life, the one who has died a sinner's death, the one who has been raised from the dead, then you will not perish. You will not face God's judgment, but you will have eternal life. And this promise of God is to whoever, whoever believes. And even if it doesn't look likely, even if it doesn't feel likely, you can always depend on God's promise. The two spies gave this good perspective on things, and they said, just don't rebel against God. However unlikely it seems, trust the promise of God and don't turn away from Him. Believe in Him, take Him at His word, and trust Him. And that's our message to you today, to trust in Jesus, because He's given us this promise. And God always keeps His promises. Caleb and Joshua said to God's people, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. It is sometimes easy to doubt that we will ever get to the destination If we doubt that a stone in the river can take our weight, then we will very sheepishly begin to trust it. And the same goes for the promises of God. If we doubt that they are really for us, we will not wholeheartedly trust them. And it's actually not enough for someone to say, oh, just trust God's promises. I mean, you can see that in this part of of God's Word that we've been reading today. Joshua and Caleb make this impassioned plea to God's people, and yet the people's response is what? To pick up stones to try and kill them. I mean, did we, I don't know if we quite took that in. They say, trust the Lord, and they pick up stones to kill them. You see, this sort of plea, it actually requires a conviction about who God is and a conviction about our relationship with God. And this is what they doubted. Either God is not strong enough to do this thing, or God doesn't care about us enough to do this thing. Those are the two options. According to the Bible, The future is bright. The promises of Scripture are that Jesus Christ will build his church, that the gates of hell will never prevail against it, that he will return in power to reign, he will be all and he will be in all. Now, we live in a part of the world where the church is seemingly in decline. Many churches are in terminal decline. That is, they will one day close the doors. It's just a matter of when. Atheism is on the rise. And cynicism about the place of Christianity in a modern society has never been more popular. So what do we conclude? Are we actually going to get to that bright future? Well, these same two doubts come into our minds. 
Is God big enough to do this thing? And I think for most Christians, they probably don't struggle in this area, but you never know. Because we understand that God is the creator of everything. He spoke and everything came into existence. God is the sustainer of everything. You know, this world keeps turning on its axis and indeed your heart and lungs keep working every second of the day because God is overseeing everything and holding everything together. God is the one who even has power over the evil spiritual forces. The Bible says Jesus has put them to an open shame through his death on the cross. God has raised his son from the dead. Not even death is powerful enough to hold Jesus. Is God powerful enough to do this thing? Yeah, he is. I think the thing most of us struggle with is to believe that God likes us enough to do this thing for us. And Joshua and Caleb's words to the people of Israel was to say, if the Lord delights in us, and he was not using that word if as a kind of, well, who knows? Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. It was, this is how you use the argument. He was saying, well, come on, guys. If the Lord delights in us, then this isn't going to be a problem. It's the if of certainty, if you see what I mean. If the Lord delights in us, and he does, is the tone of it. And that same thing here. Does God love us enough to get us to that destination? God sent his son to die for his people, those who will come to him in faith. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. There is a measure of God's love for us. And in fact, for everyone who comes to Jesus Christ and trusts in him, this miraculous thing takes place. God puts his spirit inside that person. The spirit is variously described as the spirit of Christ or the spirit of the Father. This spirit of the Father and the Son dwells in the believer in Jesus Christ. And do you know what that means? It means that the Christian has been brought into the most amazing community that has, could ever be conceived and cannot be fully conceived. The most amazing community in the universe is the community within God. In one God, there is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They, they reside together in perfect unity as one God, in perfect love, in perfect holiness, in perfect unity of purpose. And here's what God says. He says, when you trust in my Son, I'll bring you into that. I bring you into that. God, God the Father says of his Son in the Gospels, he says, this is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And when you trust Jesus Christ, God says with the same vigor, that same thing of you. You're my son, whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. He says I delight in you when you trust in my son. You're a Christian here today, you may be discouraged. Some of you will be, I've no doubt about it. Some of you will be. Some of you I know are discouraged. Let me go even further. 
And some of us maybe feel that we've messed up to such a degree that God must regret ever getting involved with us. But I'm here to say, if you belong to Jesus Christ, God delights in you today. And he delights in you every day. And he will get you to the promised destination. He will persevere in this project that he started in you to make you into the likeness of his son. He will give you an appetite to know him more and he'll feed it. He will deepen your longing for the day when Jesus completes the work that he's begun in you and he will complete it. Only do not rebel against the Lord's. And some of us easily find ourselves there. We're miffed about something. We cannot piece together how this goes with that and why God would allow this to go with that. And so we turn away from him. Brothers and sisters, God delights in you. God has made cosmic scale promises to you and he will do it. Do not turn away from him. However unlikely it might seem in the here and now, trust him. Keep following Jesus, however painful that might be for you now. Because the Christian knows that the only way we will ever get to glory is through the life of Christ in us. If God delights in us, maybe you're not sure if God delights in you today. Well, here's how you can be sure. Trust in Jesus Christ, his Son, who says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Here he is, the route to finding your identity. We're going to be thinking about that tonight, to finding your true identity, a, a child of God in whom he delights. Come to Jesus, trust in him. If you've already done that, keep trusting him. Today might be a dark day, but the future is bright in Jesus.